You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Locked On Indians. Uh, if you're hoping we'd have a discussion about uh, what's rumored to be going on, well, you are in luck. Now, I do want to give this disclaimer at the start. With everything we have seen through this entire process, through all the acrimony and the back and forth, uh, I would not go so far as to say baseball's back. I think that would be extremely premature. Uh, but it does seem the best uh, we have seen chance of this happening. If you go all the way back to when this situation kind of started, uh, before when you know the COVID situation arose and it became very clear that um, that baseball was going to be delayed, uh, that you know, they came together and made an agreement. And that's kind of where you have to start with all of this, is talking about the agreement that was reached back in March. And now we never got the full details, but what we more or less know is that basically in exchange for not uh, not suing for the full cost of what players were owed, uh, because, you know, they sign these contracts that they will make, uh, you know, a certain amount of money, then said the players would agree to this prorated amount. And that's what's gone around that they would get 100% prorated based on games played uh, in addition they would get some upfront money from the owners to help cover some of the expenses that were going to occur for players because you know there are a lot of young players who've not had a chance to build up uh, some of those especially if they're not high picks probably got to the majors with significant debt to begin with so you know they got I think we figured 100 million was always reported up front and this they wouldn't sue and there's the prorated amount it also gave the uh, the commissioner the ability to restart the season at any time uh, with at least a minimum of 50 games played uh, in place. Now, from that, what we're getting is a 60-game season. Uh, that's what they implemented on. And both sides kind of lose out here. And that's, that's the first takeaway that we should talk about when we're talking about this situation. And there was a, a last-ditch appeal by the owners who will, of course, give you their best spin on it. Uh, and the players rejected that, knowing that something like this would come down the line. So the players still thought this would be better than that last offer by the owners. What was in that last one would have been Universal DH. It would have been some talk of the idea of an extended uh, postseason and the like. I think one of the big sticking points was still the uh, the whole idea that there could be no uh, acrimony or lawsuits or anything about the COVID situation if you got sick because you were forced to report uh, that was one of those things that uh, was kind of a big deal, and that's still something that has to be hammered out. Uh, they have not codified the health and safety protocol. That is not set in place with this agreement, and at this point in time, that could collapse all of this. So that's why at the start I said we need to consider the fact that this is far from a done deal. The health and safety part of this deal could easily cause everything to still fall apart. But let's get into what's occurring. We're not getting expanded postseason. Uh, so we're just getting kind of a regular one. I am curious to see exactly how they're going to make this work, though. I saw that uh, Derek Gold talked about a regional schedule. So scheduling regionally, Central versus Central, East versus East. Um, so it would be, you know, the NL Central and the AL Central would primarily be playing each other over the course of these uh, 60 or so games. Uh, and then I assume out of it you would have your typical postseason where you're going to have, you know, uh, the best record from the AL Central. the AL, You know how the postseason works. I don't need to explain it to you. But with the two wild cards, and because one of the things that was lost out on is 
by this coming together the way it did, there's not going to be an expanded postseason. That's not part of the agreement. Postseason has to stay the way it's always been. So the owners lose out on what they viewed was kind of their cash cow, which was the expanded postseason. The players are going to miss out on Universal DH for next year. I still think it gets implemented for this year just because of the ease of making that occur. But the uh, the fact that it's not a guarantee for 2021 as it would have been in the uh, previous deal. So that's something that uh, has been taken out. We'll start to look in this idea of taxi squads. And again, health and safety is going to be a disaster just because of the size of baseball and the way this game works. Yes, there's not as much one-on-one contact, but you're still close when you're on the bases. You're still in each other's air pathways. There's still a lot of things going on that are going to be a huge amount of risk. And there's going to be players who decide that they are not up for taking that risk. And I don't, I'll be curious to see how that gets handled. I've already seen NBA players say, I'm not playing in the restart because of family and other uh, requirements. I mean, if you're going to expect these guys right now with this proposal, it's that spring training would kind of resume on July 1st with, I assume, teams getting this kind of 50-man that we talked about the last two podcasts together at a spot that they can work and coach through. And then from there, uh, closer to the end of the month, I think I've seen, you know, middle to end of July, we would then get baseball, and it would be this small travel thing. And it's still kind of crazy to me that there is even travel at all, like, that we're not having just central cities. Basically, it's like, Arizona has all these spring training complexes. Why is it just not all in Arizona around those areas? Or, I mean, frankly, when you look at Chicago, Milwaukee, like you could, I mean, Milwaukee's 45 minutes from Chicago on a a bad day. Uh, You can do Chicago, Milwaukee, and have three uh, major stadiums there. And you can also use college stadiums that have the right, you know, fit. This doesn't have to be about uh, luxury boxes because there's no one there. You have to find more ones that have the right dimensions to work as an MLB uh, field, but that should be the thing. It should be about keeping, you know, 10 teams basically in a similar area very uh, connected. So this, what they're proposing now is a dangerous bubble that I think is going to make the season fall apart once it even starts. So we'll have to see how that goes. But, I mean, I think that's a big concern. Right now, they have nothing in place. They have... They have the agreement now that they had back in March, uh, and that is all they have. Uh, We don't have a plan. We don't have a direct way they're going about this. We have some more points to discuss, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to talk about my sponsor for the day first, rockauto.com. I have been very honest about my lack of any knowledge of cars. Uh, I can't do anything. I am worthless with cars but yet I am still able to go and figure out the Rock Auto site. I'm able to navigate. I am able to find what I need for my car, the parts and pieces, find them easily, and compare. And you'll see why the deals at rockauto.com are so good and why this is a site that you're going to want to go back to and use for the parts and pieces you need for your car. Remember, though, when you go to rockauto.com, they have a little area that says, how did you find out about us? Right locked on in there. And that'll let them know that uh, they're advertising money was spent to good work rockauto.com i mean just go there it doesn't cost you anything to check it out and you'll be really impressed with the deals you can find okay so baseball is back uh you can't see me making air quotes but i'm making it because i'm still uh a little bit concerned just because we don't know exactly about all the parts and pieces that are going to go into this the other thing that has to be talked about is the players have a billion dollar grievance that they could still put in at any point in time 
that uh, the owners bargained in bad faith, which when you look at some of the leaks that some owners didn't even want a season, they have a case for that. And that was something that they were able to use kind of as a weapon towards the end of of these debates. So we'll have to see what goes on, but keep that in the back of your mind that that is a big hammer. What's crazy too about all this arguing, as I said at the start, is essentially that what is getting implemented is the agreement from March. That all of this acrimony and things they did in the press that just made fans not care about their sport as much, made everybody look bad, and nothing was gained. We are using the March agreement to have this come in. Uh, There's nothing added to it or any bonuses. Like I said, with the health and safety, I think we'll still maybe see that universal DH for the season. But keep in mind, that's not a guarantee. Maybe we won't. Maybe the Indians will have to play half of their games without a DH, which really would be an odd thing when you think about how they've constructed their roster. But it could occur. That's not something that's guaranteed because all we have right now is a 60-game season using all of the rules of the traditional MLB system. That's right. So right now we don't have a 50-man roster. We have a 26-man roster. What happens if someone gets hurt? That's a good question. I don't know. What happens if like five guys get COVID? I don't know because we're playing 60 games in 70 days. How do you shut it down? How do you stop for two weeks? You can't. And that's the other problem. It's like we're setting up a jam-packed schedule because the season has to end on September 27th because we have to get to the postseason because that's where the big money is for the owners. That's where the owners can't wait for. That is where they're going to make most of their money from those TV contracts. And they're desperate to get there. But what happens when there's a COVID outbreak? Because there will be. There's going to be a time where an entire team gets exposed. And then everybody they faced over the last two weeks is going to be exposed. So that's going to take out an entire 10 teams. That's what's going to happen. If one person gets sick, there's a very good chance that that will jump to the other team who then played other teams and they played each other. So that entire 10-team group is now ill. And you can't pause the season because you have this hey, it's got to end by the 27th. So you see what I mean? It, it It's setting up for a attempt at a season that is going to be very unlikely to work out just because the odds of this many players staying healthy are very minimal. And you're going to have to do something like the NBA bubble and not allow players to see their families from July through October. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that could be one of those things. Like, that could be part of the situation. Or that they are very limited in who they can see. They're going to be all of these things that are very restrictive to make this work. And, again, when you're doing 60 games in 70 days, there's no built-in time for what happens when inevitably somebody contracts the illness and they've exposed a lot of other players to it as well. Okay, so let's assume by some miracle no one manages to get sick um, during this time. We get 60 games in 70 days. I don't know how they're going to do um, a trade deadline. Does that occur, you know, at the natural midway point? Is that going to be at the two-thirds way point? Is it going to be, I guess you would assume, it would be sometime around the percentage of, you know, end of July. I'd have to see how many games you typically get, but that's, you know, it's well past the midpoint at that. It's closer to like the 60 or 70% point. Maybe it's like after 70% of games have played. Um... We'll see that. And then what happens with suspensions? Like, Emmanuel Class A suspension is longer than the season. Is it prorated? Is the suspension prorated just like pay is? Is he just going to miss, you know, half of the season and the Indians get him back for the second half? I don't know. We'll have to see. And then it's going to be interesting to see who stayed in shape during this time, who put in the time and who did not. 
you're going to see some bad-bodied players. You're going to. You're going to see guys who just did not do what they needed to do during this time. Uh, hopefully it's not with the Indians, but you will see that in general. And just on a base level with these Cleveland Indians, you know, Frankie Lindor always looked like he was going to probably be a midseason trade this year, that we will wait and see what happened. Our team's going to be more or less likely to trade for, our, for a player. Is his value down? Is his value up? Because there's a short season, are there going to be like more teams that feel like they have that opportunity? At the same time, if the Indians feel like they have an opportunity, uh, are they going to be less likely to trade to a team they have to face a ton? Like, Does this mean that Lindor to the Reds is extremely unlikely? I would think so. After trading him away, they're not going to want to have him all over their broadcast against a team that they're likely to face a ton. So I think it really knocks out, you know, we knew that Linder would never get traded in the, the AL Central. I think this knocks out the NL Central as well. Now you're looking at a situation where, you know, maybe the Padres, maybe the Dodgers could make some sense. I, I would still love to see the Rays decide to go all for it and trade for him just because, man, do they have a heck of a minor league system. But you're looking along those lines. I don't see it as much with Clevenger. I still don't get why people are so, let's trade Clevenger. He's got a lot of uh, control left. I don't think he is someone where you're necessarily worried about impending free agency with him. I'm just pulling up the exact when he has free agency. You know, uh, Lindor, you're getting a season and a half. You're getting whatever this is. I'm sorry. Uh, you're getting two seasons. It just feels like a half because it's going to be a partial season. So you're getting these two years with Lindor. Clevenger isn't a free agent until 2023. So you get 2020, 2021, 2022, 20... Yeah, you get three years with him. So there's no rush to trade Clevenger at this point in time. And especially because the Indians don't have anything behind him. That staff is... You know, if you've been listening to the podcast, I expressed my concerns that you look at... uh, Bieber is great. We know what we have there. Carrasco, we don't know after his injury. Plutko probably had better than anyone could have expected, and he was league average at that. Plesak, Saval, those guys played over their heads to a degree. Like, you know, they're probably going to be some regression with, with those young arms. I'm not feeling super comfortable with the overall pitching depth. Tristan McKenzie, I, I don't feel like I know if he's ready. Uh, you know, their starting pitching depth is not quite there for me, so I'm not quite as gun-ho on the idea that Clevenger's got to go. The other crazy thing, it's like Carlos Santana's option they could choose not to pick up, especially with the way that they this team has been cutting money left and right. Uh, his $17.5 million option, uh, which is a full option. Remember these other years where he was making $20 million? Some of that was a signing bonus, so he actually didn't make as much. Plus, there's the money that got sent to the Indians in the deal to bring Santana back. Maybe they can renegotiate and bring him back on a multi-year deal at a smaller amount, but this could also be the end of Carlos Santana. So we could be looking at the end of the season, Santana and Lindor out of Cleveland. And going forward with, we'll see who can step up, step forward. But it's going to be interesting to see because it is going to be crazy. It's going to be ridiculous. And once they start playing, like I said, there's nothing in there. There's no space for anything to go wrong. Everything has to run perfectly from the drop because they just don't have the time to do it. And I feel like we're saying 60 games now because especially so the players will vote yes. Like that is something the players want. But it is 60 games and then if something goes wrong, all of a sudden it could be 45 games. They could cut out 15 games and just be like, okay, we got to take two weeks off. There's a two-week break because of enough teams had issues with COVID. Uh, And again, I'll say this. It's like 
how great do you feel if you win the World Series and the team you faced had half of their roster, main roster out because of COVID? Like, that could occur. Like, this is just going to... I miss baseball. I will enjoy having baseball to watch. I am not going to really care about this season. I say that now, but when I finally have something to actually, you know, watch and invest in, that might be enough to get me in. But it's it's going to be, at best, I think you would have to feel about any victory like uh, Astros fans feel about theirs. It's it's a conflicted feeling, and you want it to, to be a championship, but it doesn't quite feel like a, like a right-earned one. So we will have to see. Again, we're spotty on details, but I still thought I want to hop on. I want to do a podcast. want to talk about it. Basically, we're operating under the rules of a typical season, but it's going to be 60 games in 70 days. There are schedule changes, and there could be more changes that occur as well once we kind of figure out the whole health and safety part, because that is the thing that has not been figured out or put together, and that's going to be interesting to see. I still kind of like this whole idea of keeping teams in like one to two spots, you know, like let's not have them traveling all over. If you can do a bunch in Orlando, like the NBA did, or you can do a bunch in Arizona, like find stadiums that are not ridiculous that you can use where there's a lot of them around. Yeah, I just that to me seems to make the most sense. Find areas that are going to be weather, uh, climate uh, won't be an issue, or you have dome stadiums. Like Milwaukee is great for that reason. Uh, but finding other places like that. And that's going to be the thing. Right now, before any season can start, they once this is kind of agreed to, then they've got, while players are getting themselves back ready in spring training, the brass have to put their, you know, their nose to the grindstone and really figure out a way to make this work because it is so many players, it is so many people, and the risk of COVID is probably greater than ever because we've all kind of hit this point, I know, where... We have quarantine fatigue and people are not being as careful as they always were before or taking a few more risks. We're all doing it, if we are being honest. I, uh, When I was in middle school, I got walking pneumonia so badly that I developed asthma and had to be put on a respirator. It is not fun. Uh, it was a horrible situation. I've dealt with it, but it also makes me one of those people who has more risk during these times. And I know I am taking more risks than need be. Uh, at points in time, even something as small as uh, I forgot my glove today. So when I went out in and out of my apartment, I touched uh, a door. But it is a bigger risk. It's something I would not have done. Uh, I would have like taken off my shirt and used that a few weeks ago. So when you think about all of that and you think about the sheer number of people, this is going to take a Herculean effort. It's not impossible, but it is going to take a Herculean effort. I miss baseball. I would love baseball. From the business standpoint of having this podcast, I need the Indians. Uh, uh, I, I am not. I'm making one eighth of what I made uh, a year ago. So that should give you an idea of uh, where this is in terms of just that end of things. But I'm hoping we get baseball in some form because I do. I miss it. I'd like to see it, and hopefully we will get it back in some format again i'm very conflicted about this season in general and man this uh this also just set up perfectly for get ready for the labor dispute that's coming when the cba expires and uh, you know uh after the 2021 season that's when it gets truly ugly and we could have uh more missed time so basically hopefully uh eventually covid will uh get figured out and we'll have a regular 2021 season and then probably a shortened 2022 i like to keep a positive on this show 
thank you all for listening, for dealing with the rambling as I tried to go back and forth through the uh, reams of information that are out there, some of it conflicting, while trying to explain exactly what would happen if the season restarts and why we've gotten to the point we have where, hey, they spent three months arguing in public and making the sport look bad to accomplish absolutely nothing. So that was a great waste of all of our times. But hopefully we will have baseball. You guys are all fantastic, guys and gals, I should say. Uh, I really appreciate you listening to the show, sticking with us even when there has been no baseball, and when it's been a time where it's not always the happiest podcast, because even before when we had baseball, we had to talk about the impending trade of a generational talent for the Indians. So I appreciate everyone sticking with me and sticking with this podcast. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Draft. And as always, go Tribe!